0: This is Gary W. Johnson, a.k.a. The Vintage Gentleman, coming to you with something tonight that might inspire you, empower you, and motivate you to be a better version of yourself. Uh, There's a young lady that's joining us tonight. Uh, Her topic of conversation is going to be on childhood trauma, and a lot of people experiencing different things in life. Some people talk about it, some people don't, but it's not an isolated case. And these are things that's been going on uh, for years and years. Anyway, uh, she's ready to join me now. So how are you? I'm doing great. All right. That's fantastic. All right. Okay. Let's go ahead and uh, jump into this.
1: Okay. Um, I would like to talk about childhood trauma because I really think that a lot of people are not aware of the adverse impact that it has. My slogan for this is what you don't repair, you can ultimately repeat. What I have noticed uh, over the years is, you know, whether it be in my professional life, whether it's in my um, personal life, anywhere that I go. You know, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people have experienced this where you just run into people that just seem to be so uneasy, so uptight, um, so negative, even in the most positive situations, uh, never have anything nice to say. And I never really paid attention to that. I just used to, you know, suck it up and say, you know, maybe the person's having a bad day. But there have been some occasions where, you know, some of these people, I would be around them you know, frequently, every day, um, maybe a couple times out of the week. And I just was, you know, always wondering, like, why is this person like this? It's got to be a story behind it. Well, guess what? You know, after talking to a few of my colleagues that uh, are in the mental health field, um, I even got a better appreciation and understanding of, you know, why a lot of people are the way that they are. Um, You know, if you see people that are, you know, antisocial, you know, suffer from anxiety, depression, um, you know, feel their weight changing, whether it's, you know, obesity or maybe they're losing a lot of weight, um, emotionally distant, just, you know, socially disconnected. You know, again, there's a story behind that. Um, So, you know, I really give people a second chance, you know, when when I see them with those type of, you know, behaviors. If they're really close and near and dear to me, I try to get them to talk about it because the last thing we want to do is keep things bottled up inside of us. You know, it's nothing worse than walking around looking good on the outside, but behind closed doors, you are you know, emotionally depressed, mentally um you know, in, unstable. Just going through. So you know, anytime that I, I'm around somebody that is you know really close to me or I feel comfortable, a lot of times because you know a lot of people tell me that I'm approachable, they'll start talking. And if they start talking, I, I give them my ear, and I you know I listen. And um, you know what I found over the years is a lot of a lot of men and uh, women, you know, have uh, either witnessed or actually been victims of childhood trauma, whether it has been, you know, um, mental abuse, emotional abuse, um, physical abuse, and in some cases, sexual abuse. Um, The sexual abuse is the one that seems to be the heavy hitter for a lot of people. Um, A lot of people don't really like to dive into that or really talk about it because a lot of people are shameful to talk about it. Um, I find more women especially today, are open and will discuss um, sexual abuse. But there's a lot of men that just cannot begin to muster up enough strength um, to talk about those things that have happened to them. Um, you know, the one thing that I, you know, I always encourage people, you know, if I talk to them, you know, I always ask them, well, over the years, did you, you know, did you share this with anybody? And most times they'll say, you know, yeah, if was an auntie or uncle or, you know, a family relative, they'll, they'll say, I did say something, but, you know, when I when I opened up, you know, people were like, you know, you don't, we don't want to talk about that. You know, that happened a long time ago. You don't want to talk about that. We, we're just going to, you know, sweep that under the rug. What people don't realize is when you tell people not to live in their truth, it, it's damaging for them. You know, they ultimately end up um, you know as as an adult when they become an adult, they physically look like an adult but there's still that little girl or that little boy that's hurting on the inside. Um, and you know I just cannot stress enough that we need to be more cognizant of you know making sure that we take care of ourselves. Um, not just you know if you have a, a hurt a hurting arm or hurting leg or my back hurts, not just those things, but if there's something that's going on, mentally and it was triggered from childhood trauma, let's talk about those things. Let's put those things out in the open. Um, If you need to go and you need to talk to the person about it, you know, some people find um, healing by going to the person and approaching that person and saying to them, hey, what you did to me as a child, it had a negative impact on me. So I'm coming to you and I'm letting you you know just what it did to me. And sometimes that helps people. Sometimes people don't even have enough strength to even go back and and have those kind of conversations with people. Um, But, you know, there's other ways of healing. I'm not saying you have to always go and talk to uh, the person, but there's other ways like, you know, going to see a therapist, um, going to a a mental health counselor. Um, You can go to uh, community centers. You can talk to a pastor. You can go and you can consult with a lot of different people. There's just so much help out there and, you know, in the, in the community for us that we should not have to continue to bottle things up and keep those things to ourselves.
0: Okay, tell me this. Uh, you uh, said that you talked to some of your colleagues. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, what is your profession?
1: Believe it or not, I work in um, information technology. However, um, I work for... Um, the government, and it's in the mental health field. So even though I see the data, I see mental health statistics and data, but I work very closely with a lot of mental health uh, professionals.
0: Okay, now, uh, working with them like that, um, is that something you see like where they've experienced some trauma when you're working with them, or does it cover a, a vast number of things
1: well, the I'm more in the the area that I work in is more administrative um, operations. But there are some clinicians that actually do go out into the field um, and actually counsel people, uh, whether it be, you know, at the hospital, could be inpatient, could be outpatient. Um, but, you know, they, they actually have the more hand on experience of, you know, helping people get through, the, you know, the, the rough times, their mental health issues with, you know, different types of counseling.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess uh, when you uh, stated a little earlier that when you talk to people, it seems like they open up to you. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know if this was something that uh, was like just a coworker or, you know, someone that you were actually interacting with uh, in your profession.
1: Well, I can tell you this. I am a supervisor and I've been a supervisor for over 20 years. Um, And being a supervisor sometimes is not just about work. I've I've realized that over the year, you have a lot of people that will come to you and will actually confide in you and share things with you. Um, I've realized that earlier in my career, you know, when I first started out in uh, management, for me, it was all about widgets and it was all about, you know, inventory and making sure that you got productivity, um, you know, meeting standards. But over the years, what I I learned and, you know, developed over the years is a good, working rapport with people, not just on a professional level, but I found more people coming to me and confiding on a personal level. So I felt like over the years, you know, I was switching hats, you know, okay, am I going to be the supervisor today or am I going to, you know, really listen to this person and, you know, hear what they have to say? You know, over the years, there have been some occasions where, you know, I've listened to people and I've had to recommend what they call EAP. Um, it's, an, it's an employee assistance program to help you get the, the help that you need. Um, so I've done that over the years too.
0: Okay, now, now tell me this uh, when you are not at work and you're just, you know, out and about, you know, with your life going on with your life, uh, do you find that? There are people that find you like very approachable and they come to you and you start dialoguing with them and they start telling you some personal things. You know, it's very interesting that you would ask that question because
1: two years ago I was in the mall and it was during the Christmas holiday. And I was in a store and this young lady was behind me and um, I was, you know, getting ready to to check out. And she only had a few pieces. So I said, hey, you know, go ahead. You know, go ahead of me. So she said, you don't mind? I said, no, I don't. So she you know, went ahead of me. There was one person ahead of her. And then she just started talking. She just started sharing with me that, you know, she was trying to plan a trip to go away for the holidays because she had just um, had just dealt with some um, serious family issues. And I said, if you don't mind me asking, you know, you want to share. And she said, my son tried to kill himself. And I said, well, I wasn't expecting that. And I mean, she went into so much detail to, you know, share with me that her son, you know, was attempting to uh, take his life. And the reason that he was going to try to take his life is because, um, you know, he he was gay and he didn't know how to come out with that. So, you know, we just began talking and I just gave her some pointers on, you know, you know, make sure you getting him some help. And she said, oh, I'm, I'm already doing that. She said, you know, he was inpatient and now we're looking at the outpatient care and, you know, I'm going to make sure that he knows that I love him regardless. So, you know, that was just one encounter of many. You know, people just always, I don't know if it's because I'm always just smiling. I'm always just friendly. People just, you know, over the years have just come to me and just started talking. And when people come to me and they start talking, I listen. I open my ears and my eyes wide open. I'm there and I'm available for people that are, you know, uh, brave enough to even share because that takes a lot, you know. And then to come to a stranger or to come and talk to a coworker, um, that says a lot. So if they do that, I feel like this person is crying out for some help. And I'm going to, you know, I'm not superwoman, but the little bit of knowledge that I do have, I share with, you know, with people.
0: Well, that's great. Um, you know, I, I, uh, I was thinking about it when you said it was like you know, during Christmas and all of that, uh, a lot of times, you know, we think about Christmas and how happy it is and you run into so many people that are real cheerful Mm -hmm. and people seem to be in a good mood, Mm -hmm. you know, they're in a Christmas spirit, but there are a lot of people that's dealing with a lot of things that are not so pleasant and Christmas is not a good time for them and if they've got those emotions and things that are challenging to them bottle up, And they run into somebody that they feel comfortable with and they start opening dialogue and you seem to be receptive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe something like that, uh, you know, helps them open up even more. Uh, I know myself, I've experienced some things and I'm not going to say it was at Christmas time, Mm -hmm. but I've met people, you know, and sometimes it might just be out in the grocery store or somewhere shopping or it could be on the job Mm -hmm. and uh sometimes people you know they sense something about you and uh i don't know if it's your energy or your spirit or something like that and they seem to feel like they can open up freely with you with certain things that you might feel like well you really don't know me that well but you feel comfortable in talking to me about this so i was thinking that maybe something like that would make it uh, that they're more approachable You know, and they'll come to you like that because they feel a sense of uh, security with
1: you. Mm -hmm. You know, I've gotten that over the years, not just with um, strangers, but, you know, not just the holidays. Like, you know, my relatives, I'm that person that's going to always pull the family together. Um, You know, summertime, my house is always the place to come to for, you know, a good old cookout, sit out back. Um, If you want to spend the night, bring your your suitcase. I have actually entertained 20 people in my house at one time as a sleepover. Um, Wow. (laughs) Yes. You know, um, Christmas time. People love to come here because I just overdo it. I'll put up six Christmas trees. This is like Christmas wonderland. Um, Mind you, I didn't grow up that way because, you know, my mother was um, studying to be uh, a Jehovah's Witness. So we were growing up. We weren't exposed to those things. But it was just always something that made me happy. So I knew when I was, you know, as I became an adult, that that was something that I wanted to incorporate because that's a joyous time of the, the year for me. That's my favorite time of the year. So, you know, people just gravitate to my home, even at work, to my office. If you walk in my office, I have all positive quotes on the wall. And I've had people that have walked by and you're like, you know what, the standing in your door, just, it, it makes me feel great. So it's like I always made sure whatever space that I occupy is always inviting for people. You know, make people feel comfortable. So that could also be another reason why people over the years, um, especially on my on a professional level, have felt comfortable just you know coming in and talking to me because I have things on the wall like you know be positive. Uh, if you want to be, if you want to be the change in the world, you know, etc. It's just all kinds of stuff all over the wall in my office. Um, But, you know, over the years, I've just enjoyed, you know, at least being there for people.
0: Well, one thing about that, it's like uh, whatever you're feeling on the inside and you decide to open up by putting something on the wall and, you know, expressing certain things. I think it tells them a little bit about your character uh, where your head is where your heart is mm-hmm. and if they're the kind of person that gravitates uh, to those type of things which is very positive you know and uh, whether it's Christmas or any time of the year and I know you say you do a lot at home you know so when they see that and they sense that you know it helps them a lot in a positive way too and makes them want to like be a part of the celebration right.
1: And, and I invite that, I, I invite that, you know, I, I just hope that, you know, for me, you know, like I said, everybody's not going to always share, you know, their childhood trauma with you, but nine times out of 10, when you see those different behaviors, you know, just always stop and think. And I always do that. You know, when I see people that, you know, they always say something negative to you, or, you know, they just appear to always be, um, uh, you know, distant from you um, or some people, you know, I've, I've actually been at in the workplace where people say, you know, I, I suffer from depression and, you know, some days I take my medication and some days I don't. Okay. All right. I understand that that's good for me to know because when I see their behavior is different, you know, I, I'll ask them, have you had your meds today? And they'll say, how do you know? Remember you shared that with me. And then we'll just chuckle about it. So, you know, I do that as well. Check in with people. Um, that I do know are hurting or, you know, struggling with things. You know, I even ask, so have you made the appointment yet? We we talked about you going to get some counseling. You know, have you decided what you're going to do with that? Some people say, you know what, I've started. And some people say, I'm not ready. Okay. But, you know, for me, I just like to, you know, I pay more attention to behaviors. I didn't always do that. But now that I understand that usually when you see these different patterns, a lot of times, nine times out of ten, I'm going to say that it's, is you know, it has something to do with their, with their childhood, with their past, and things that were not dealt with. And, um, you know, I just commend people that, as adults, you know, try to, to make a change, try to be a better person. And then, you know, the people that are still struggling, I, I hope and pray that someday they will, you know, own up to yes, something did happen to you, something bad happened to you, but. You don't have to continue to live there. You know, you can be free from that. You just have to make that first step.
0: Well, that's uh, that's a good thing that you're there for them like that. Uh, As far as like being uh, anti-social and distant, uh, I know you mentioned something about that a little earlier. Mm -hmm. Are those some of the key things that you kind of pick up on when you're around people that may have... uh, I had childhood trauma.
1: Uh, yes. Um, you know, Even in my own family, there are, you know, select few people that um, don't like to be out in public for whatever reason. Um, or, you know, they just, they're just comfortable being in, you know, in their own personal bubble. Don't really like to talk on the phone. It, it, things like that. Um, a lot of the older people, you know, in my family, they don't like to talk about the past. So for the older generation, I think it's a little more challenging to get them to talk because I think they were programmed in a way where we're not going to talk about this because there have been some people in my family that I've said, so, you know, let's talk about the past. And, oh, we don't want to talk about that. We we, we don't want to talk about that. that. That was in the past. We're going to leave it there. I'm like, okay. And I don't push, but I just always just, you know, I, I kind of give them a pass and I understand that there are, you know, potentially some things that could have happened that they just don't want to share. And I respect that. Um, so I don't really push, you know, too much, you know, when, when I see that type of behavior. And I, you know, like I said, I see it in my family all the time.
0: Now, when you uh, say you see it in the family and you say some of the older people, Uh, It's like, hey, look, just leave it alone. And, you know, that's in the past. Leave it in the past. Now, what kind of age group are you talking about when you say older? So
1: this category is born or was born in the late 30s, early 40s. Okay. I find that people that were born in, like, you know, the 60s, 70s, in the '80s, they're more, you know, forthcoming with talking about, you know, what's going on. And the millennials, forget it; they're just an open book. They they, they will not really keep stuff to themselves. Everything is, you know, is out
0: there. Okay, uh, yeah, because uh, I guess, like in the past, you know, I uh, I know that I uh, uh, experienced talking to a young lady. I uh, went to a school, and I was in the uh, 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 third grade when I met her. And uh, this young lady, she was, looked like a little Barbie doll. I mean, she was just a real sweet young lady, uh, pretty with long hair, hair down her back and everything. Uh, but she seemed like she was uh, kind of standoffish. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, like you were saying, being anti-social or, or distant. It was almost like she had an attitude and, you know, I was thinking, you know, she's so pretty and it's like, why would she have an attitude? And, uh, you know, I was just a young guy. So, you know, I was a Mm -hmm. kid. I I didn't know. And so anyway, I ended up seeing this young lady as an adult and, uh, this was in the eighties and I hadn't seen her because I was living in a small town, you know, and, uh, I had moved back to Dallas, which I was originally from Mm -hmm. Dallas, but, uh saw her, and she had gained some weight. And, of course, we're adults now, and she had a haircut really short. and But it was something about her that it seemed like she looked familiar. Anyway, as I would see her from time to time uh, at, at the place where I was located actually working, I asked her one day where she was from because it was always like something there like, man, she looks familiar. I mm-hmm. know her, you know. But anyway... She told me she was from a small town in East Texas. I'm like, what's the name of Mm -hmm. the town? And she told me the name of the town and I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. you went to uh, M.W. Dogan Elementary School. She looked at me strangely Mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, I remember you, you were a little skinny girl with long hair and it was like, who are you? (laughs) (laughs) I told her I was one of her classmates that had uh, came from Dallas and went to school Mm -hmm. with her You know, when we were in the third grade. Anyway, we kind of exchanged numbers and we started talking. You know, not like boyfriend, girlfriend, but we just communicated so we know a lot of the same (laughs) people. So we're like catching up. Anyway, uh, as we talked, you know, like uh, a few months, I was telling her how that she always seemed like she had a chip on her shoulder, like she was mad. And, you know, when I talked to her about that, she told me something that really kind of messed me up. I mean, I was adult, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I just never thought about it. She said that she had been been molested by her grandfather, and her mother didn't want to believe it. And I'm like, wow. Wow. And I've heard, you know, that a lot of times when things happen like that, it happens with a family member or sometimes somebody that's very close to the family. And, you know, I guess when a child opens up and the parent or grandparent don't want to believe them you know they have to deal with that trauma themselves Mm -hmm. you know and they don't try to get them any help because it's like you know like you say that's in the past leave it alone but she had to grow up with that and she seemed very normal but uh again you know i hadn't seen her in years but i don't know what she was dealing with you know, as far as how that affected her from her childhood to an adult. Right. And then, you know, you you you
1: look at situations, you know, like hers, um, where the adults that are supposed to protect you um, have actually, you know, in this case, violated you. And then you had another one that could have potentially stepped up and did something about it, basically didn't believe you. So, you know, again, when people aren't allowed to, speak their truth and live in their truth, that does something to them, you know? It puts them in a state of, you know, depression, mental illness. Um, it's just not right. It's, you know, it, it just really does something to that individual. And, you know, people just really need to know, I you know, I just hope that anybody that's listening that is, you know, potentially going through uh, something that's, you know, similar to this is that they haven't, you know, thought of you know how they can heal and how they can be free that they would you know start taking those steps today you know make that phone call call a therapist um you know call a a mental health counselor you know if you have a best friend you know you want to confide in them and you know talk to them about it first if you're more comfortable find somewhere to take that information don't hold that inside you have to dump that somewhere it's just like trash. If you keep it in a bag and you tie the knot in there, guess what? It's going to stink. It's not going to be pretty. You have to release that. You have to put that out.
0: And uh, I, uh, I recall you were saying a little earlier as we were talking that uh, uh, women seem to open up, uh, you know, more than men. Uh, when uh, someone opens up and talk to you about that, uh, do you tell them where they should probably go to seek some help?
1: If it is an employee that, you know, that I'm working with, that's um, you know, my direct report. Um, I automatically, you know, will tell them that there's EAP, you know, you can go through the EAP program and that's a program where, you know, like the first three visits are free. You don't have to pay anything. Once they establish, you know, a plan of care with you, then you can go to a provider of your choice. Um, but that's usually a starting point. And even people that I don't know um, that, you know, that work with me, um, if they come to me and they tell me, even somebody that's is a stranger, that's the first thing I ask them, you know, where do you work? Well, you know, what kind of benefits do you have? Because if you, you know, if you are a full-time employee And you have benefits. Most companies, uh, they actually offer EAP assistance to their employees for any, you know, mental health issues, uh, even legal issues. If you want to go for that, that's a program that is, you know, usually available to people. And a lot of people aren't aware. They don't really pay any attention. But there are a few of my friends that I have actually, um, you know, given that information to and they didn't really know about it. And, you know, one person did take advantage of it. She said, yes, I did make the phone call
0: and I'm going to counseling. Okay. You had mentioned something about uh, a certain pattern that sometimes, you know, is uh, related to uh, uh, the childhood trauma. What are some of the patterns or the little signs that you look for?
1: Well, sometimes, um, you know, the person, you know, again, they could show signs of depression, um, not really wanting to talk there are some people believe it or not that will have a conversation with you that won't have any eye contact that's a trigger for me I've, I've seen some people that do that I'm like why can't they look you in the face they won't look you in the face when they talk they look down um, alcohol, alcohol abuse substance abuse um, somebody that's an overachiever you know it's like okay you have enough degrees you know you you're very successful why why are you still going to school and you're you know 60 years old why it, you know it's a lot of things that that I see but those are some of the the main triggers that that I have actually witnessed
0: okay because you had uh, also mentioned that uh you know sometimes you have like uh you know, family members and there's certain things that they had gone through, and they want to just kind of sweep it under the rug. Uh, when they're not being receptive, uh, do you just leave it alone or you just uh, try to, you know, tell them a little something? Or what do you do uh, in that case if it's a family if, member? If it is a family member, you know, of course I want to
1: make them as comfortable as possible to, you know, to share. But if they're not willing to, you know, to open up, I'll leave it alone. But, you know, I've actually been in some some uh, family events that we've had where, you know, it's a circle of us is sitting around the table talking. And you'd be surprised if one person opens up, another person will come along and say, yeah, well, you know, that happened to me too. I've actually sat at a table, you know, with women in my family where they, you know, have actually, you know, mentioned that somebody not in the family but you know a family friend because you know usually like you said earlier you know it's you know usually a family member or it's a family friend it's somebody that you trust those are the people unfortunately that usually cross the line so some family members have been willing to open up if other people are willing to share
0: yeah well i'm uh i'm glad that you uh Share that, and I uh, know that there are some cases out there where some people probably never will speak up. Um, I was reflecting and thinking back on how that I had seen, like in the news for you know past few years, how uh, young men that were in the Boy Scouts, you know, had been mm-hmm. abused, you know, mm-hmm. and they were children, and uh, now they're starting to come forth, but dealing with that trauma from childhood up until you're an adult, you know, has to take a toll on a person, and I was thinking that, wow, you know, and like you said, sometimes men are not going to want to come forward like that, you know, but they are starting to come forward like that, and you know, whether it was like uh, 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 somebody that was a police officer or somebody you trusted, like a minister you know or somebody Mm -hmm. in the boy scouts or you know maybe even a coach or something and you know you're thinking i can trust the coach and yeah yeah and uh things happen to the young man but you know i uh i just feel like that it's harder for guys to come forward like that because they don't want anybody to look at them in a different way now because it's like i'm this macho man and i'm like this and if they find out that this happened to me, you know, they might look at me in a right. different way.
1: Yeah, I, I can see that, you know, like I, like I said, you know, earlier, it's um, it's something to be said about a man, you know, coming forward and sharing something like that. It's so much easier for women, um, but it's much harder for, you know, for, for men to, to come out and actually, you know, speak their truth about that. Because a lot of men are worried about, well, what are people going to think about me? You know, what are they, you know, are they going to question my sexuality? You know, what are they going to think? And, you know, people just really need to understand just because that happened to you as a child, um, you know, don't let that control your adulthood. You know, you didn't ask for it. It was not your fault. It happened. You know, you own it, you heal, and you move on.
0: That's great. Well, hey, look, we are. Uh... We're getting ready to close this one out. Uh, is it uh, anything else you'd like to ask me or anything else you'd like to share before we close this um, I just this one have out? a closing
1: statement that I would like to share. You know, um, you know, what we ignored yesterday and even today might be ignited tomorrow. So before it gets to that level, you know, please love yourself enough to fix the broken child within you so that you can be the healed and better adult that you deserve to be. You know, you're you're so worth it and we all deserve
0: some peace and freedom in our life. Well, uh, folks, now you've heard it from the horse's mouth. uh, You can uh, open up and and talk about it and try to move on with your life. Uh, There's a lot of different places you can reach out and get some help. So hopefully something was said tonight that uh, can inspire you or, uh, Uh, motivate you and empower you to be a better version of yourself and go forward with your life.